Good morning, church. And we are the church. We don't meet in a brick and mortar building, but we come together under the banner of being Christocentric, learning to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're like-minded here at the Digital Cathedral, so basically we we are the church. Aren't you glad we don't have to worry about a building payment? We don't have to worry about staff. There's so much that goes in, <clears throat> in today to that brick and mortar building. So nice just to be free of all that. Just be able to talk about the things of God freely with people that are on a journey together. So I'm journeying with you, you're journeying with me, and we're learning a lot as we go. All right, I want to I want to finish up or tie into, really I guess would be a better way. I'm going to tie into what I was talking about last Sunday morning. You might have noticed that the title of the teaching this morning is Next Level Sonship Part 2. So we're going we're gonna to kind of keep moving with this for just this morning. And we're almost to the end of the year, and I've got a lot of plans for next year. Next weekend is uh, Christmas weekend, and the following is New Year's. So we're right on track to finish out this year strong and in good shape. So if you weren't, if you weren't with me last Sunday morning, I would encourage you to go back and look at last Sunday morning's teaching to kind of get you up to speed for this morning. Uh, I, I want to start over with a scripture that we used last week quite a bit, which is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8. I know you know the verses. You've heard them a lot. But I want you to hear these things this morning again for the first time. Fair enough? I want you to let this sink in because this, this is God's purpose right here. This is his plan. This is what he laid out for mankind. This is what is to be evidenced in your life. This is what he's given to you. Never changed this, never rescinded it, never altered it, never put an asterisk in the Bible and said this is going to stop at this generation or to, at this date and time. It's still working for us. Here's what God says about you. Here's, here's, how, he, here's how he created you. God said, let us, and that's, that's plural. The word us is plural. I think we're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were gathered together in council, and they said, look, here's how we want to make man. We need, we need to go to earth in flesh form and totally fully reveal ourselves and so, show man how we really love him and what we think of him, and we need to show man what he really is. So they said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them that see that's that's again that's plural this isn't just adam and eve this is all men that were created by god and that that takes us all in let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air over the cattle over all the earth over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth so god created man in his image and in the image of god he created him male and female created he them and god blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, fall of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is what's coming. This mandate right here that God gave to us is what's unfolding before us. This journey we've been on as manifesting sons and daughters as fast as we can take it in, as fast as we can grow into that, as fast as we can acclimate it, I, I think this is the end target, the end game that God is working toward. And to be honest, I'm I'm feeling that unction, that urge within that we need to we need to begin to embrace this. This is God's plan that we need to embrace. We will never experience something but what we first embrace it. We first say, okay, this is possible. That we have that we are in charge of the planet. Uh, the heavens belong to God, the psalmist said, but the earth he has given to the sons of man. You and I are responsible. The people on this planet are responsible for the things that take place on, on the earth realm. So again, if you weren't here last week, I went through a whole lot of foundation on this. This morning I'm going to be much more practical than theological. Last week I think I was a little bit more theological, but I want to bring this down to where we live, how it's demonstrated, how we can get into the flow of what God is doing in the earth today. So we're going to be we're going to be practical this morning so that we can get our heads around this shift this this um this planet reset that is going on that we find ourselves in the middle of. Most of us when we were born we had no idea that in 2022 20 going into 2023 that we would be in the middle of a reset and, and by reset, I, whenever there's a reset, that means that you're going back to the way that it should have been. You're kind of clearing the table of all of the garbage, all of the, 
the, the peripherals that don't matter and you're, you're coming back, you're clearing the computer out, you're getting rid of all the files, you're resetting things as they ought to be. So this is a huge shift. And it's important as we're in this shift, as manifesting sons and manifesting daughters, it's imperative that we see everything through the eyes of the Father. And that's what you can spend some of your, your quiet time is saying, Father, how do you see this? Father, what, what is your intention in this? What, what is unfolding here? How, how is this working? Um, seeing things from the eyes of the Father, I think we could call that an ascended lifestyle. It's functioning from a heavenly perspective. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, we read this. Because this is, this is to be how we see things. It says that he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The heavenly places, he's not talking about uh, pulling us up literally and setting out yonder somewhere past the planet Mars. He's talking about a level of consciousness, level, level of perception, awareness. He raised us up. He's raising us up beyond what we can see naturally. And he has set, seated us together in the heavenly places. See, that's, that's above. We're not thinking below anymore. We're thinking above. And he didn't see this by Christ Jesus, which I've seen pictures denote that, like the father sitting here and the son next to him, and then we're seated right by Jesus. It's not what he said. He said he seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's, that's full union. That's full oneness. That's full harmony. It's, it's, it's being one with him. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a heavenly perspective. Now, John caught it in Revelation chapter 4. And uh, maybe you've never seen this scripture this way. And again, you've had a visualization of, of John being hauled off somewhere uh, beyond the moon. But that's not, that's not what the Father had in mind in Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to get there. Revelation chapter 4. In verse 1, John says this, And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. So let's talk, let's talk, talk about open consciousness. Right? He had an open realm he could see in. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. So that means it was, it was clear, it was loud, it was precise. You know, you know the sound of a trumpet when you hear it. It's totally distinguishable from a drum or from a tuba horn right you know a trumpet when that when that star-spangled banner is played in a trumpet place you you know it's a trumpet right away it's like a trumpet speaking with me saying come up hither and i will show you things which much which must come to pass or must, must take place after this so again he's talking about a higher consciousness uh, john john never left the planet in case you wonder about that john never left the planet He's, God's calling him up to a higher dimension so that he could see the things that were to come. The best revelation, the greatest revelation you get in life comes from seeing as the Father does, seeing as the Father sees. In this day, in this age in which we live, we have got to begin to see like the Father sees. The Father's view, the Father's level of, of consciousness is higher than what we have naturally. Do you remember over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for him that love him, right? So that's the natural perception. What I see, what ears heard, what enters our heart from external forces. He says, that's not the way you see from a higher level. Then he goes on in verse 10, he says, you didn't see it by your ears, eyes, or natural perception, the things that God has for us in verse 9. Then he says in verse 10, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. He reveals them as we begin to see like he sees. He reveals them to us as we as we begin to switch uh, levels, as we begin to understand, okay, I need, I need to just pull back here and I need to begin to ask myself, well, how does the Father see this? Let the Father communicate it to you. Now these kinds of changes that we're, we're in, this... I call it an awakening. There's an awakening going all over the planet. There really is. People are coming alive 
to things in the spirit. The spirit of truth is speaking to you. It's not that you stumbled on these things by accident or by your natural ability. It was the spirit, and maybe you haven't recognized it, but it's been the spirit of truth that has been working into you that has opened your eyes. Now, the kind of awakening that we're in, this tsunami that's covering the planet of unconditional love and grace and um, all the good things that we are seeing that's changing us, not by our efforts. And everything I'm saying this morning is not is not because we want to will it or we're going to push into it or fast our way into it. These things all come by the Spirit. God reveals them to us by His Spirit. Are, are you tracking with me? So a lot of these awakenings that have historically taken place often coincide, and I think this is really interesting. I did a little bit of research into history this week, and I found that many times when there was a, um, a spiritual quickening, a spiritual awakening, a spiritual happening that was on a, a wide dimension that it coincided with with a war with wars or civil uprisings and those accompanied the spiritual awakening when there was a reset that was to take place a clearing of the files of the of the rubbish we're started we're going to get back we're going to get back to some basics and this is what happened during the great awakening of the 1700s there was a lot of civil unrest in the United States of America. The Civil War was just about 40 years away. And so all this stirring was beginning to go on. The British were, uh, you know, weren't treating us well and were double taxing us. And we had no representation on the taxation. And what that did, that triggered then a spiritual awakening. And truth began to come to the forefront in the 1700s called, it was called, uh, you know, the great, great awakening that was taking place and truth about the Father and what he was like began to come to the forefront. A spiritual awakening is always part of a global reset. You don't find things happening on a global basis, but what there is a, a, a spiritual dimension to it that m most people don't recognize. And, but when you go back and look at history and you s begin to see the parallels that run, it really is interesting. Until people are awakened, they miss from heaven's perspective what is taking place on the planet naturally. You and I need to be able to see with spirit eyes so that we can get spiritual truth and also gain insight what's going on naturally. And when we begin to understand what's going on naturally, it gives us an insight into what is going to take place spiritually and what is unfolding at that present time spiritually. Civil unrest comes with spiritual unrest. When people begin to, to um, move around and become dissatisfied with the way that the present situation is. And what I found is this week is, and I might mention a couple things, what I found this week is that civil unrest, spiritual unrest run parallel. We can take it back to the time of Jesus, the, the shaking that was going on during the time of Paul, the Roman Empire and the church. And there was great revelation coming and the, the, the way was growing by leaps and bounds. Thousands were being added to, to that following. And in that whole time, then there began to be um, persecution of the church and there was all kinds of unrest going on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, I, I don't think I've really hit the depth of this verse yet. But I, I'm, I, I want to read this because I think, I think there's some truth in this for what, um, what we're seeing today and what has taken place even historically. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46 says, However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. Let me read that again. The spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. When we see with the eyes of the Father the natural happenings that are going on in our world, I think it's a great key to what the Father is fixing, as we say in Texas, fixing to do to all y'all. He is moving. And the, the natural gives us a clue into it. So when you first see the natural, know that the spiritual is right on the heels. Now, there are times that the spiritual things broke out first uh, and you know, there were exceptions to this, okay? But I think that generally speaking, when you see a natural unrest, you can look for a spiritual unrest. I see that in our world today. It's going on all over the planet. Look at the protests that are going on in, in uh, China and Iran. People are rising up. 
They're not happy with being controlled and manipulated. First the natural, then the spiritual. We're seeing the same thing happen today in the spiritual world. People are leaving churches in droves because they've come to a place where they say, look, you've been feeding me a line of baloney. I'm tired of you uh, putting fear into my life, threatening me with the torment of eternal conscience burning in hell if I don't follow every little dictate that you say is sin and that God's going to be unpleasing. But people are waking up to that. The spirit of truth is beginning to speak to them. And so people are leaving. There's unrest. There's shifting. There's moving. And we're seeing the same thing in the natural realm. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm, I'm laying some things down for you this morning because I, I don't want us to get um, out of mind that mandate that God gave in Genesis 1, 26, 7, and 8 when he said, let us make man in our image and let him have dominion. And he said, I want you to go out and subdue it. Then in chapter 2, verse 7, he, he empowers that man to do exactly what he mandated in chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, I should have mentioned this earlier, Genesis 2, 7, God breathes into man the breath of life. God takes everything that he is, his essence, his character, his being, his everything that he is, himself, and he, and he breathes. He, he, it, it, the word is, um, I think it's Barak it, in Hebrew. In Greek, it's pneuma. It means wind or spirit. It's what he came from deep within God and he blew it into the nostrils of man. The point being this, that when he gave man the dominion mandate of which man has not fulfilled, Jesus reflected it and walked in it himself. He had authority over the fish, over the wind, the waves. He demonstrated that and he showed us that we could do it. Turns around and says, things I do, you do. And greater things than, than what I'm doing, you're going to do. So Jesus just kicks the the boundaries out of that box, the sides out of that box and says, look, you can jump outside of this. This is what you're capable of. There's, there's a shaking that's going on. In uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, let me just read a couple of verses for time's sake here. Let me pick it up in verse 21. <sighs> Hebrews chapter 12, I'm sorry, verse 26. Pop down 26. I don't have time to get into the background. Let's come down to verse 26. It says, Then there was a voice that shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now there's, there's, the, there's the shaking on earth and heaven happening at the same time. He's going to shake both. He's, he's doing a total reset, right? Not only in the natural realm, but in the spirit realm. He's bringing people to a place. We're beginning to see that. We're beginning to say... Man has responsibility for the planet. If there's starvation, if there's inequities, then we need to take dominion. We need to subdue it. I don't know how, how that's going to look. I don't, I'm not sure how, how it's going to flesh out. But I know this. There has to be a generation that first begins to embrace it and says, that is us. That belongs to us. Then we can believe it. And after we believe it, we can experience it. We can't, can't shortcut it and just say, okay, let's, let's just go out here and rebuke the wind, the wind obeys. No, there's, a, there's a, a gaining in this. There's a recognition. There's a growth in this. We're going from glory to glory. He says, yet once more, I'm going to shake the earth and the heavens. And this word, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that can be shaken. This is the reset. That the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, that is important to remember. That's why we see from God's perspective. We live out of a kingdom, that kingdom that is within, and that kingdom cannot be shaken. That is a sure thing. It is solid. It is strong. That's where we put our roots down. That's, that's where we want to establish ourselves. Verse 28, the kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And that's not the kind of fear, don't beat me again. That's the kind of fear that is, whoa, wow. This is, my father's awesome. It's an exclamation of how wonderful and how great he is. That's the kind of fear he's talking about. He's not talking about physical fear like you better watch out or you're going to get it. This on many levels, what we just read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, 7, and 8, is, is going on today again. 
He said, and yet once again, that means that there have been other times that he has shaken the heavens and the earth. Each time the shaking gets a little stronger, gets a little bit more intense, right? <clears throat> our, our nation and our world have gone through numerous resets. And each one gets stronger. Each one gets more revelatory. Um, back to the Great Awakening in the, in the 1730s. During that time, there were raised up men and women who uh, wouldn't settle for sterile forms of worship and dead religion. So they rose above the book learning. They rose above the education and the tradition with a message of a personal and experiential faith. Now, a couple of hundred years before then, Luther and Calvin lived in the 1500s, and they began through a shaking process. <clears throat> and the shaking in the 1500s then brought it up to the 1700s. On the opposite end of the spectrum of this great awakening, there was the age of enlightenment that was going on at the same time. There's something going on in the natural and in the spiritual in the 1730s, early 1700s. And in this age of enlightenment, there was a emphasis on intellect and science. This is where science and, and Christianity began to split. And we lost a lot by doing that. We, we're starting to regain it back. We're starting to understand there are some things in science that can help us understand the kingdom. I have no problem with quantum physics, to be honest with you. I think I personally, and this is just me, you can take for what it's worth. I think quantum physics is the science of the kingdom that will help to explain some of the things that are going on that we would like to see accomplished. That's why there are certain guys in the quantum world, first the natural, that are bringing the results that the church is not bringing in a way of healing and manifestations that are bettering the lives of people. First natural, now here comes the spirit. We're starting to catch up with this and say, wait a minute, maybe there's some things we can catch in this. Maybe there's some things we can glean. And, and so as this shaking takes place, the division that went way back to the 1700s through the, the great awakening and um, this age of enlightenment that separated it off, we're starting to say, okay, look, some of the pieces are coming back together. Now, more recently, and these are just things I dug out, doing a little bit of study about, once I, once I hit on this thing of, of, of the parallel of spiritual awakening and things going on in the natural world, uh, and that verse from 1 Corinthians 15, 46, first spiritual, then a natural, I begin to recognize a pattern that the Father's working from Hebrews where he's shaking the earth and the heavens yet once again. Now more recently, what we have seen running in parallel has been a new age movement, which came really to the, to the forefront in the 50s and the 60s. And what happened during the 50s and the 60s? We saw the charismatic renewal begin to, to, begin to move out. And what was happening in the natural realm, what unrest was going on in the 60s? All kinds of civil rights turmoil, the um, race relations were going undergoing a reset. And the, the uh, new age, just like the age of enlightenment from the great awakening, there were some distinctions. The new age, it seems to me, has an emphasis um, about what I can do myself, how I can improve myself, that I am, uh, I am God, I can, I can do all things. There's, it's, it's about human potential. Um, New Age and humanism, they're about human potential. And I've, I've, this is where it gets really fine. I've read some New Age stuff, just to be honest with you, because I want to know what the heck's going on. And I find that they use scripture sometimes or spiritual truth. But the material that they put out is always centered on what I can do myself apart from a relationship with the one that created me. It, they're looking at what the potential man has in himself, and we're looking at the potential that we have because we're in Christ. If I, I, can't, I can't leave the Christocentric principles. You know, he's the center of operation. Now, so those two have been running parallel for some time now. Now I think the body of Christ is beginning to gain a lot more traction. I see it worldwide. This, this wide open uh, world that is opening up to us in spirit is just phenomenal. So you can trace through history how great spiritual awakenings 
ran along a track with a, with a false message, happened in the 1730s. So we got a great spiritual awakening like we see today with grace, unconditional love, inclusion. We've got um, new age that's running alongside. And then we have civil unrest going on all over the world. United States, we went through tremendous civil unrest a couple of summers ago. And, you know, I, I don't think it was right. I think I, I don't like it. <laughs> That's being mild. It, it, we're seeing it in China. We're seeing it in Iran. We're seeing it in communist countries, Russia. People, people in Russia are not liking this Ukrainian war that they've been thrown into and their young men are going over and being killed. So there's a lot of, lot of turmoil going on, a lot of shaking. It's exactly... Hebrews chapter 12 is not a forward-looking prophetic word in my estimation. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, 7, and 8, once again, he is doing some shaking. And as he does the shaking, we're going to advance. There's a reset going on. The question this morning is, in light of what we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8, knowing that he has breathed into us a breath of life, his very essence, how should we move? Here's the question. How should we move with the Father through the Spirit in our day, in our time, taking our place with increased intensity that will move us through this shaking? I'm going to tell you in just a minute how I think we ought to deal with this. What you and I, on a practical level, how we can enter into this. I first want to just establish, in case you ever doubt it, there's a worldwide reformation going on. I think I'm preaching to the choir on that topic at the Digital Cathedral. I think we all pretty well recognize that. And just as in other times in history, we see unrest. So here we got three things running in parallel today. We've got a global unrest. The world is experiencing civil unrest, huge problems that appear unsolvable. We That's running on one track. Then we've got uh, some messages that appear on a surface level to be okay, but are really not Christocentric. And then we've also got over here on the third track, we're, we're walking in lockstep with not the best message for sure. And civil unrest, we're, we're, we're walking lockstep with, with revelation and Christocentric truth that's taking the kingdom of God and it's beginning to propel it to the forefront. So we have masses of people like us at the Digital Cathedral that are beginning to seek first the kingdom of God. We've heard that message for a long time, but nobody ever told us how to enter into it, how to seek it, how to flow with it. So this, this very simply, and this, I'm planting some seeds this morning about this. This is how I think we can flow with um, the mandate from Genesis chapter 1 as it's unveiled to us and we begin to embrace it, right? So progressively, the spirit of truth leads us and reveals to us. So here's what we, I think we just want to do right now. This is what we want to be aware of. Number one, I'm going to give you four little things here. Number one, we want to get positioned in Christ. We want to be convinced of our position, not just have an uh, intellectual understanding, but through the time that we spend with the Father, we want to develop an identity. Ident by identity, I mean seeing ourselves. We want to see ourselves in union with the Father through the Son in the Spirit. That's how we want to see ourselves. Um, Paul lays it out. I've, I've read this verse a few times lately, but let me read it again, and I'll read the next verse after because they, they go together. And this cements it. So the first thing we want to do to get into what got, the, the flow of what's going on during this shaking, during this sifting, is to get ourselves positioned in Christ by our identity. Your authentic identity is divinity. I think at the Digital Cathedral that should be well established. Image and likeness of God, partaker of divine nature, joint heir with Jesus. You got the goods. You got the goods. The way that the Father sent Jesus in the world, he's sending us. Verse 3 of Colossians 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's my identity. That's my perception. That's where I, I, I live from. That's where I see from. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That word appears. Um, the evangelical church 
looks at that as the second coming. That's not what that word appears means. It means that when he is revealed, when he's unveiled, it's the Greek word phanero, and it means to make clear or to manifest. So let me just plug that in there. When Christ, who is our life, is made clear, when he manifests, when he's revealed to us, then you will also appear with him in glory. So we're looking at him, we're seeing him, we're looking into this mirror, Paul said, uh, with an unveiled face. And as we look into that mirror, we're being changed into the same image from glory to glory. That's the unveiling. So I, the second thing, all right, so we get ourselves positioned in Christ. Number two, we see the shift in our culture. We see the shift in the spirit from a historical perspective. And this is why I wanted to lay out just a couple little items that went on, 1500s, 1700s, even up through the 1960s and what's going on today. Take time to learn. The Father moves. The Father moves in patterns and principles. Take time to learn how the Father brought a spiritual reset and an outpouring in days gone by. You ought to read a book or two about the, the great outpouring in the 1900s. The charism, there was a great Pentecostal outpouring on Azusa Street. And you can see how the Father did it. See, the Father moves from one dimension to the next dimension. Once he moves us to one place, then he, we get settled in. He starts shaking again and can move us to the next place. So we're undergoing that moving right now. You're undergoing some moving. Don't fear it. Just rest into it. See the shifting culture in the spirit from a historical perspective. So number three, and I hit on this a little bit earlier, learn to see the transition through the eyes of the Father. The spirit of truth will show you exactly what the Father sees. This is how you want to spend some of your quiet time. You just want to get quiet. Say, Father, I need to see this like you do it. I, I see it in the natural might, might make you angry or upset. But Father, show me through your eyes what is really going on here. And then agree with him. Agree with him. When he shows you something, agree with him in spite of appearances. In spite of the mainstream media or the news reports. Or the pull of false religions. And false religions many times is the evangelical church wanting to suck you back in to what you've come out of. Don't let it happen. And number four, when, you, when, when you've positioned yourself in Christ and you've seen the shift in culture... From a historical perspective, you understand something is going on again like has gone on in days gone by. And, and number three, you see that transition, that shaking through the eyes of the Father. Then number four, step into the truth that is flooding the earth. Step into it. Don't be just an observer. Don't be just a Facebook commentator. Drink it in. Allow it to change you. Paul said, I'm travailing in birth until Christ is formed within you. The Father is at work fully forming the Christ. And by forming, he's already in there in his fullness. <clears throat> but forming him until Christ is formed in you means that till we become totally aware of what the Christ is doing, what Christ is doing in our life. We're Christocentric people. We live out of that life. We live out of that energy. There's always a flow in the spirit to what the Father is doing. And what we want to do is tap into that flow. So when you position yourself in Christ, you see uh, what's going on in culture and spirit from a historical perspective. You got it down. You're seeing through the eyes of the Father. He has shown you exactly what's taking place, maybe in your life, your family, your city, your state, your world. Then step into that truth. All right, let me take those four and just boil it down. Here's what we want to do today. Are you ready? I just I laid some things out for it. Let me just... This is a Cliff Notes version. When you see the Father doing something, whatever it is, what the Father is doing, join Him. Join Him in what He's doing. Be aggressive with it. Don't be, uh, don't be shy. Step into it. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 30, He said, I don't, I don't do anything of myself. It's the Father in me. He does the works. Right? I can't do anything of myself. Then Paul said over in Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When, when, when Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing except what I see the Father do, 
Paul is saying that same thing in a new covenant perspective. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, where you and I differ from some of the things that are going on today is that I can't do all things except through Christ who strengthens me. There's a lot of teaching, a lot of stuff going on today. In my humble estimation, it's garbage. That says you can do this. You're able, you have within you the innate ability. No, within my own self, I can do nothing. Is that what I, the only thing I can say is what he's saying. I want to see where he's working. I want to see what he's involved, what the Father, what the Father is into. Then I want to come and pull up alongside of him, and I want to join him. The, the, the tsunami we see going on today, this great reformation of grace and unconditional love, inclusion, it's what the Father's doing. So what you and I at the Digital Cathedral are doing, we get together each week and we share... And we go deeper and we join the Father in what he's doing. Isn't it nice that we can just let grace, that divine influence that creates effortless change as we rest in him, aren't, isn't it good that we can just settle back and let that work in us, the change that the Father wants to change so we can be part of the program he has for this time in history. And then out of us is gonna flow that river of living water into the lives of other people. We don't have to bust it in fleshly activity. We don't have to try to make it happen. We can be us. We can position ourselves in Christ, see what's going on in history, see through the eyes of the Father, then look at what he's doing, and we can join it. And out of that, I'm telling you, this is how we live a fulfilled life. This is, doesn't matter what you do for a living. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what you do. What does matter, um, is have you joined yourself at McDonald's, at the real estate agency, at the school, at the factory, in what the Father's doing? He needs to be in every sphere of culture. That's why he placed you where you're at. And those of you that are retired now, you have plenty of time to, whatever you're doing, you know, you're riding a tractor or <laughs> I don't fishing, whatever you're doing. You got time to contemplate and do do grab onto those four things that I just laid out, right? You can position yourself in Christ. Say, Father, I know that I've died. My life is hidden with Christ in you. And the life that I live, I don't live myself. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Thank you that I was crucified with Christ, that you died my death. Thank you that you raised me anew through the resurrection. And I'm on this planet today to understand what you're doing. So show me what, what you're doing. And I just want to jump into it. So you're fishing. You go to the bait shop. You're not going to know it. But the words that you speak, the way you posture yourself, carry yourself, what flows out of you is going to, is going to spark something in that guy that runs the bait shop. And if you hadn't have been retired and fishing and learned everything you've learned up to this point, you never would have touched that life. The Father needs people in every dimension of life who understand the things that we're talking about this morning. Last week and this week, this is a higher level of sonship. It's not the higher level that they talked about in church, always wanting to go to a higher level, new dimension, and you got to fast and pray and work your way up to it. No, this is something that comes by his strength, his power. He's already blown the breath of life into you, and now we, we, we are just cooperating with him in everything that he does on the planet. From where I sit, from where I sit, this awakening is all about the manifestation of sons and the manifestation of daughters who are beginning to see, we're beginning to embrace that we have a mandate. That from the very beginning of time, we had a mission. We had a purpose. People go all the time, well, if, 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 if everybody is going to accept Jesus at some point, why did Jesus have to come? I'll tell you why he came. Because we have a mandate. The Father wanted to extend heaven to earth. Why do you think Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? There's a joining of two dimensions. I can, I, we're sensing it. We're starting to experience it and feel it. And it started with when we realized the kingdom is within us, that heaven is within us. It's a level of understanding. It's a level of perception, awareness, and consciousness. We're starting to, we're starting to embrace this mandate that we have responsibility. And he's empowered us to see it through. Genesis 1.26 Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8 is, is something whose time has come. I, I will tell you this. Its time has come closer now than at any other time in history. Does that mean I'm going to be able to, like Jesus did 
uh, command the fish to jump into the net or to jump in my boat. Don't have to put any bait on my hook. Just call the fish in. Maybe not. I don't know. But I'm telling you, that's the mandate. To walk like Jesus walked. Jesus had power over the fish. He had power over the storms. They looked at Jesus. What man or man is this? He wasn't a man or a man. He was God in the flesh. People are going to look at you when the body of Christ comes to the point and we function in this. People are going to look at you and say, what man or a man are you? And you're going to say, it's no longer I who live. It's Christ that lives in me. Do you think they're not going to be attracted to what you're carrying? Do you think they're not going to want to embrace the God that you serve? When you're thrown into fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you don't burn up, the king takes notice. He wants to know about your God. Nothing is ever asked of us to do at any time from history to present, but what the Father has equipped us to get it done. This isn't pie in the sky we're talking about this morning. This is something that God said from the beginning, let's make man like this. Let's, let's position man. And God says, I'm going to put the cherry on top of the Sunday. I'm going to part myself into him so that he's able to carry it out. When Jesus prayed in that, that famous prayer in John chapter 17, he didn't leave that part out. He wanted them to know that whatever the Father commissions you to do, he has empowered you and given you the resources to get it done. I tell you what, that has set me free in so many areas. That has set me free. Some I'll talk about it sometime. It has brought a lot of liberty in my life to know that he didn't ask me to do something but what he didn't equip me for. Jesus said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. So again, as he is, so are we in this world, right? In this present world, how did, how did the Father send the Son into the world? He sent him in with enough power, enough resources, enough anointing, enough wisdom. And then we come over to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and it says that he has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness, two dimensions. Life and godliness. He's bringing the two dimensions together, y'all, and he's, he's seeing it happen in his sons and daughters even today. So allow yourself to be deeply loved by the Father, knowing that He has given you everything that you need to have. And out of that overflow of, let Him love on you once in a while. And out of that overflow of love, we in turn are going to be able to love others. You, you'll never love other people more than what you know He loves you. It's amazing how this works. The more you embrace and drink in His love, the more you're able to love other people. What's going on in the earth and in the people of the earth today on an increasing basis is this, and I did, I did four weeks on this. It's a move from doctrine and theology, and they're important, they've got their place, but they're not to be on the front burner. There's a move from doctrine to intimate, very personal relationship out with the Father. And out of that personal, intimate relationship with the Father is going to flow the character of the Father, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness. That all comes through time you spend with Him. We're going to be a people that continually move ourselves through the process that He has planned for us. And as we do this, the Father's going to bring the importance of the relationship right to the front of the of of. of visibility, and he's going to move us from this dead written word to a very uh, flesh unveiling of the word that was made flesh. He's going to begin to show us Jesus, as the scripture says, we, we read that when um, he's revealed that we, we, will, we will see him. First John says, um, for, what is it? First John chapter three, verse two, beloved, now are we the sons of God and has not yet appeared what we shall be. But we know this, that when he's revealed, unveiled, manifest, that we shall be like him for we will see him as he is. What's happening today, we're seeing him as he is. First time in history, man is getting a right view of the father through the son in the spirit. We've seen the son and as the son is unveiled, we begin to see that he, he, the father is exactly like him. We're undergoing this fresh infilling 
of the Father who is, who is pure, 100% love. There's no other little trickles of ingredients that are added to him. He is pure love. And all the, all the traditions, all the theologies, all the doctrines, all the imposed laws down at the church house, regardless of motivation, they all fall short. They will not do the work that the Spirit of God can do. Paul had this profound revelation. Paul had a lot of revelations, but perhaps the greatest one, I used to think it was the revelation, Christ in you Gentiles. Christ always been in you Gentiles. That was good. That was a phase I needed. Now I'm seeing <laughs> the greatest revelation that Paul had is this. Love never fails. Love never fails. In that, in that chapter, that famous chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he lists all the things that fall short. And when I read through that list this week, I go, holy cow, those are, those are the very things that we've all gone through. Let me read for you a little bit. Um, verse 8, I'm going to go down through, I guess, what? Verse 12, verse 13. Some, yeah, I think I go down through verse 13. He said, love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they'll fall, fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it'll vanish. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child, but when I became a man, or when I reached maturity, I put away childless things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. This is what we're hammering on right here. We're in that face to face zone, y'all. We're in that face to face time. When we see him face to face, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. It's so important that I see me like he sees me so that I'll know who I am. And when I know who I am, I will see I'm just like him. And now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, when I, when, I, when I read that this week, I looked, man, we've come through all the waves of everything he mentions in that chapter that are going to fall short. And he tells us they're going to fall short. We, we've come through waves of healing. Fall short. Now he's going to begin to talk to us about uh, those that believe in me will never perish. I'm going to get into that next month. Better be ready. We've come through healings. We've come through the wave of the fivefold ministry when we exalted that platform ministry through discipleship. Some of you can remember the the uh, Fort Lauderdale Five that hammered down shepherding and discipleship. We've come through deliverance and gifts and anointing and being accountable to somebody that is covering us and home groups. They've all fallen short. They've all fallen short. It's time for the wave of love apart from doctrine that will not fail. See, you only got to rely on one teacher. Don't say that Don Keithley is your teacher. I am not your teacher. There's one teacher. It's called the Spirit of Truth. That's who the teacher is. And he, he ain't no platform star. He's, he's not a superstar status. He doesn't need to be picked up in a limousine and stay at the Ritz-Carlton. That's, that's the five-fold ministry. That's the platform stars. There's one, one source of truth, the spirit of truth. Jesus didn't say he's one spirit among men. There's one spirit of truth. Now, truth can flow through other streams. There's one river, but there are some streams that'll flow out of that river of truth. And you need to, once you get established in what we talk about, the digital cathedral, you can see, okay, science brings something to the, to the, to the table, philosophy does. Metaphysics, I have no problem. They, they bring some truth to the table. Quantum physics, certainly. The awakening that we are in is going to focus on empowering sons and daughters to steward creation. This world is in a mess. The mess has come because we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so death is everywhere. Threats of death. I, I'm not sure at this point how this is all gonna look, how it's all gonna work out. I'm not sure of the timetable of it, but I feel impressed in my heart to say, Come on, we need to be the generation that at least starts the process of embracing what the Father gave us to do. And as we answer like John, 
on the Isle of Patmos and we come up higher. We come up here. Come up here and I'm going to show you things that are to come. Things that are to take place. It's, it's not within us to figure it out. It's above my pay grade to try to make an educated guess even. Here's what we do and I'm done. Here's what we do. We simply hear him. We simply abide in him. And as he speaks, we leave the results to him. If the Father's speaking some things to you today, look me right in the eye. If the Father's speaking to you some things today, then just respond to it. Just obey what he tells you to do. You say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. I've, never, I've failed so many times. Listen, he's already programmed in all your mistakes. The shaking that is going on is to get rid of the stuff that's made you make the mistakes. He's winning you off the tree of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's bringing it over to the tree of life, which is simply a tree of responding to him. That's what it was in the very beginning. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was man's making his own self-destiny, his exalting himself. He knew best. He could make the decisions. And look what it led to. God said, the day you do that, man, that's the day you die. That death was not a punishment from God. It was a result of eating from the wrong tree. We're moving today back from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil over here to the tree of life. Everything I talked about this morning is eating from the tree of life is simply responding to the voice that is within and let him figure out the results of it. Amen? All right. Next Sunday, I got a treat for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, but uh, here at the Digital Cathedral, we just may have never done this. Used to do it all the time as a pastor. We may have a guest speaker next Sunday morning to to minister at the uh, Digital Cathedral on Christmas morning. So I'll look for you then. See you Wednesday night at The Secret Place. Uh, have a great week. And let this stuff settle in. Just let it settle in and let him speak to you. That's all I ask. Amen. God bless. See you next time.